Gladfield Malt is dedicated to producing fresh, consistent, and high-quality malt for New Zealand craft brewers and home brewers alike. Visit their website today to see their incredible range of unique and flavorful malts at gladfieldmalt.co.nz. That's gladfieldmalt.co.nz. Right, and welcome to episode number three of the New Zealand Brewer Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, John Ojaka, uh, with Gary Henwood, uh, also on the line. Say hello to the folks, Gary. Kia ora, folks. Kia ora, big John. Uh, so we got to smooth that out, that that whole say, yeah. hi, say hi to the people thing. That doesn't quite... We need a, <laughs> we need a catchphrase. Well, yeah, we need, to, we need to come in a bit stronger. Um, but, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, it is, uh, as, as I said, episode number three of the New Zealand Brewer Podcast. We're getting rolling, I think, Gary. I mean, the podcast is yeah. out. People, you know, we recorded mm-hmm. the first two, but we sat on them for a little My while. My mom listened. <laughs> Your mom listened. She's all over Facebook, sharing it with her friends. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. spreading. Good. Like crazy, um, and uh, no, but it was cool. We went down to Birvana recently, and uh, I think when we first got there, I felt like I was telling people about the podcast. And by the time we left, I was sort of hearing, "Oh yeah, I heard about that. It seems to be catching on." Yeah. We've we within two weeks, we've crossed uh, the one thousand downloads per episode mark. I think it's around fourteen. 14- 1400 uh, downloads which you know doesn't sound like a lot but for a brand new podcast with a pretty modest marketing plan uh and, and with only two weeks under its belt on a niche subject in a small market i think i think that's pretty good sounds like a lot to me bro I'm, I'm, that's good yeah very good well um so as i mentioned we are going to be talking about our experience down at beer vana we've got uh about 45 minutes of sort of man on the street kind of audio interviews that that uh we did around around beer vana around the festival talking to different brewers and and some drinkers and just people that were part of the festival to take a sort of snapshot uh of of beer vana in 2017 and you know share it with uh, those who couldn't make it and really the rest of the world you know this this is this is mm. what New Zealand is up to. This represents where New Zealand beer is at at this moment, and you know, hopefully, folks find it uh, interesting. I don't know. That's what we're gonna do at any rate. It's gonna be noisy as all as all hell, and uh, and you know, but hopefully, hopefully, interesting. Um, before we you know get into that, I, I'm pretty keen to pop a beer. I I'm, I'm saving it because I like that sound that it makes when I do it into the yeah. microphone. Yeah, you gotta do that. Um, but uh, have you, so I, I heard some sips coming from your side. Have you already popped your your beer? Those probably slurps. No, that was uh, just just background noise. I think, John. Uh, yeah. I'm having trouble here. I'm not. I didn't get the nice big clean pop. I'm I'm taking my fourth mm. pass at this bottle cap. There, got it. <laughs> And of course, it's you know foaming all over the place, which is super awesome when you got your hand on electrical equipment. And you got your hand on it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, what what are you drinking? I am drinking. Oh, I shouldn't be drinking this first. What am I doing? I'm drinking a Kainui Road Porter, ah. which I'm going to share the recipe later on in this episode. So I should have saved it for that. But 
regardless that's what i'm drinking well very cool yeah you didn't think that one through but uh, but fair enough you probably <laughs> have a, f- a few much through, <laughs> you probably have a few more of them in your fridge if, if needed i do i do have about 300 or so well right. i am drinking and I'm, I'm a little sad to be drinking this because it was my only bottle and i don't know when i'm going to be able to get another one but this is my favorite beer uh from from birvana this year and it's craftworks la framboise uh it's a uh, well, I was going to say raspberry because I kept calling it that, but I think it's actually a red currant framboise. I'm, it, I'm not seeing it written right, on this I didn't that. label, um, but it's it's it was delicious. I mean, uh, I'm going to take a sip here. Yeah, it's it's exactly like I remembered it. You know, one of the things I don't know how m- much of this style you've had, but sometimes it can be just kind of really nothing but acid and and dry and a little bit of you know brett somewhere in the mix and this has just got a, a really nice mouth feel i thought it was delicious i think it's a world-class example of the style and while maybe perhaps framboise is not necessarily my favorite style i'm not going to be buying you know 12 packs of the stuff and, and and drinking it all day long every day um it was just such a well-brewed example of the style that yeah when when i walked away from the festival it kind of stood out to me as perhaps uh what i thought was the best beer there Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I had that beer. I really enjoyed it. I um, I just like Kraftwerk. To, you know, they're just their whole ethos and their just the way they present themselves. Everything they do is just cool. So um, and small scale. So it's good to see them. You know, putting out beers that are yeah up there with the best of them as well. So yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, what uh, what impressions did you have? Do you have any favorites at, at Beervana? That, yeah, that was one of my favorites. I think you uh, the, the garage project that was it a porter with the mandarin. <clears throat> I think it was a robust porter. It was yeah. the uh, uh, Tempest Prognosticator. Um, that was good. I wish I had I the. That was really good. Uh, it would have been wise to have the description in front of me, but yeah, it was basically it this been. porter with I think cacao nibs and cinnamon, if I remember, and then they topped it off with a a second beer, essentially of burnt mandarin foam. Um, and and the two layers sort of you know uh, I don't know stuck to <laughs> how do I say that uh, stuck to themselves you know there was sort of two beers in one glass and it was really delicious they mm. they did a similar kind of thing with a chocolate and cherry beer a few years ago when I was down there and uh, I don't know if they do something like that every year or not but uh, it was the second time I was there and second time I I had an exper- uh, a beer like that from them and it was just really really good I don't I don't know that you can mm. bottle it so I think. Uh, I think it's a unique to Beervana kind of a thing, but um, yeah, really, really delicious. Um, and it's hard not to, it's hard to walk away from Beervana this year without talking about their ant beer, Did <laughs> the Aardvark. Did, mm. you, did, you, did you try that? I think I had a bit of yours. Uh, mm. I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't yeah, try it. I don't really remember it. No, I, I didn't try that. I didn't. Try oh, you didn't it. try them? I had no. some of someone's then. Um, I don't remember. I, there was what was what? What did the ants give it? That gave it some sort of particular flavor? Lemongrass uh, ants. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. It was, um, you know, it was an experience, but uh, not, one that I don't really remember that <laughs> that well, to be honest. So it kind of made too much of an impression. I, I mean, just their their whole setup's always really big and wonderful, and that, that beer in particular, the porter was really good. Um, uh, I think there's just a whole lot of good beers this year, to be honest. Yeah. Um, there wasn't too many bad ones. I only had a, a few that I asked people to dump for me, so it was awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I had the pleasure of judging the homebrew competition this year. I've, I've judged it before. 
Um, that was a lot of fun. It was brown ale this year. They did a sort of uh, theme. It was just one style of, of beer instead of, um, you know, just a sort of open class kind of competition as it's been in, in years past. Um but uh, and they did they did something that, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's fair to say it's controversial. Some I know some like it and some don't, but they kind of turned it into a bit of a, a game show just about where they had different rounds and including things like beer trivia and tastings and tippy cup uh, or, tippy, or beer pong, <laughs> whatever you call it. It's a little, little, yeah, little that's odd. That's exactly what we call it. I think that's what they called it, um, what beer oh, beer right. pong. But I think I think yeah. I saw tippy cups somewhere on the description. Um, nice, nice. But I got the vibe they were trying to go for kind of a reality uh, a, a TV sort of feel, you know, just to make it fun for the audience. And that's what they did. Right. And, and I got to judge the final round, so uh, so that was kind of nice. And you'll hear from the uh, winners in one of the interviews, uh, as as well as uh, the organizer of the competition. But. Um, but yeah, what, before, again, before we get into that, and as I sip this beer, what, you know, tell me, tell us what's going on at the brewery, what's going on at Kainui Bruco? What's going on at the brewery? Uh, okay, so we had, uh, I think since I spoke to, we had the, the last podcast, we built an extension onto the, onto the brewery, and that sort of took a little bit of reorganizing, um, so I was sort of down, wasn't brewing in that, in that period of time. Um, but that's all reorganized now and I've got a bit more space, which is luxurious. Um, got enough room for some barrels in our brewery now and also just all the other shit that has sort of made its way into other sheds adjoining the house, which is, was not ideal. Um, it was, yeah, it was just ramshackle. So the, the extension was kind of filled before we actually built it. But, um, now that it's there, it's amazing and it's sort of full steam ahead now to summer. Um, we finally got some beer in bottles as well, John. I'll I know. Please, please, please to tell you that <laughs> after you give me stick in the in the first episode about it. But so that's exciting for us. Um, it's a big step, and from here on in, I guess it's yeah, it's just sort of feeling our way. Um, there's been a few little quality control issues, as I think most sort of um, breweries starting up would would have. So we we're just sort of trying to feel our way through those and just make sure that what we put out there is, is a quality product and um, and sort of stays that way and people aren't paying $8 for a substandard product. So that's sort of where we're at at the moment. And Fat Freddy's is, is um, on the on the horizon. They're, they're playing at Kainu Road Vineyard and Solomio are playing with Bikurunga. Pre, prior to that, so I've got to brew a lot of beer yeah. for people at those concerts. So um, that, that's sort of where I'm at at the moment, and uh, along with balancing a, a wine science degree, which is kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, it is. We'll have to talk about that uh, perhaps in an, <laughs> another segment. But just for anybody who's who's new here, who doesn't know what the heck we're talking about, who's just tuning into the podcast for the first time, uh, Gary's the owner of Kainui Bruco up up here in the far north in Kerry Kerry, and uh, his family owns the... Uh, Kainui uh, Road Vineyard, and they have these uh, big concerts, these big 5,000 people concerts up here, and, and Gary brews the beer for those festivals. So yeah. he, he's kind of got the brew pub model, except it's this gigantic brew pub to sell all only, one <laughs> only open a few times a year. Um, <laughs> but as he as he mentioned, he's, he's in bottles after much, much harassing from myself yes. and, and others in the community, and it's... Uh, Ma- mainly you, yeah. mainly you, John. <laughs> And uh, and it's for sale. Where where can people get your beer, Gary? Where can they get it? Right now, it's um, exclusively stocked at Nosh Superma- Food Supermarket in Kitty Kitty, 
and I'll be at the markets, uh, the pack house markets in a few weeks' time and hoping to get into some local restaurants and stuff like that. It's just sort of a, a matter of me finding time to go around and knock on some doors and whatnot. There have been people asking for a, quite some time, as you mentioned. So um, it's just, yeah, we'll, we'll just sort of do some visits and, and drop off some bottles and kegs and whatnot and, uh, yeah, get underway. But as I said, the main focus is, is trying to get beer, a lot of beer, ready for um, Solomir on the 30th of December and Fat Freddy's on the 6th of January. Oh, how much, and then we've got another one later in January. How much beer you got to you got to get together for that entire month for those two events in January? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have ready I think t- uh, about ten thousand liters of lager. Wow! And then uh, and then you just you know just some some other bits and bobs, um, probably a, a dark beer, a porter or so, and uh, maybe some hoppy low alcohol, maybe some session IPAs or something like that. Uh, an American pale ale or something, a saison. I always brew for the their favorite at the at the concerts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're looking at 10,000 litres of lager. That's the main one. That's the one that sells big time. We were selling um, in, uh, a uh, bigger branded beer at, at previous festivals, but this is the first time we're going we're gonna to provide all the beer for it. So we, we're going to provide a lager because it's Northland and people like cold um, beer that doesn't taste like a hell too much. So we, we're going to brew a lot of that, and it's going to be the first time I've brewed so much beer, so I'm, a little bit apprehensive, but <laughs> right. also kind of excited. Awesome. Well, um, with that said, I think uh, I think we should probably get into the feature segment here. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, is everyone listening to this? Have they? Has everyone heard of Birvana? I guess I bump into people from time to time yes. that don't know what Birvana everyone's is. heard of it. I, have they? I, my, my auntie went to this this time around, and she, you know, she doesn't drink beer or anything. She just went along because she lives in Wellington. But if you haven't heard of it, then you just obviously don't look at social media or like beer in any way shape or form surely well if, if <laughs> it's, it's it's our big thing yeah if by some chance you haven't maybe you know maybe you're in another country listening to this uh even though our our target audience is new zealand i know we're getting listeners from from all over the world uh beervana is uh, it, you know i've called it new zealand's biggest beer fest but i don't know that it is is it i don't know it's massive uh, at any rate. That, yeah that, well it's the biggest it's got the biggest um uh, what would you call it? The biggest presence, I guess, in, in the craft beer scene. But uh, maybe the one in Auckland might be getting there. Uh, probably not, though, because there's a new one, isn't there? The Gabs in Auckland, but I haven't been. To, I doubt it's as big as Beervana. Well, and there's the, what is it, the big Kiwi Beer Fest or something like that down in Christchurch that I think is pretty massive. Oh, right. Um, okay. And I want to say I came across some reference to that being the biggest, but you know it was. Oh, really? I, I'm not. I, okay. It was like advertising, so I don't know if it was a- accurate yeah. or not. Who uh, knows? From my point of view, as as someone who's only been living in New Zealand for seven or eight years now, um, Birvana certainly always struck me as the big beer event of the year, and it's. Uh, yeah. It's some, I think 15,000 people just under went through the doors this year, which is kind of mental, um, at Westpac stadium to drink beer. There were something like 469 beers on tap from give or take 80 different breweries, you know, from all over the world, mostly New Zealand, but the likes of Sierra Nevada were there. And, um, actually I'm totally drawing a blank for, Lagunitas? Uh, for other breweries. Yeah. Lagunitas was serving some beer. That's right. But anyway, it's this right. big, crazy, some sort of a, a as you'll hear um, David Cryer from Cryer Malt say in one of the interviews, it's sort of a cross between a 
car show. Well, actually, I guess I, I said it. I was paraphrasing him, but it's a, it's a cross between kind of a car show and Mardi Gras. You know, it's this big, big, crazy party with music and people wearing strange costumes and Mm. fancy stall after fancy stall where brewers from across New Zealand come out to bring, you know, or to, to bring out their most, what, ostentatious beers and, and grab headlines and make people smile. And it's just a hell of a lot of fun. So what you're going to listen to is uh, me and Gary walking around in a very noisy environment. Uh, You know, I've done my best to uh, polish up the audio, but, you know, no matter what, we've got 15,000 people or so (laughs) surrounding us making noise. Uh, But if you want to get a sense of what was going on or if you were there and you kind of just want to relive it a little bit, uh, it's basically just us walking around, talking to brewers, uh, asking them about their beer. Um, So that's what we're going to listen to uh, in just a moment. Any, Any final thoughts before we head on into the segment gary i don't uh it'll bring back some memories i'm sure which i'm looking forward to all right well we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back we're going to be at uh beervana which took place uh just what is it two uh two weeks ago or not even two weeks ago uh was it uh i don't know or maybe more, like, than, that. more, more than, than that it was it? it was way more than two weeks ago i don't know it was a while ago <laughs> <laughs> a year ago yeah a year uh, several years ago all right yeah. back in a sec You're listening to the New Zealand Brewer Podcast. Whether you're a home brewer or pro brewer, if your goal is to make delicious beer using top quality New Zealand grown ingredients, then Gladfield Malt is the maltster for you. Gladfield Malt is a family owned and operated malting company located in Canterbury, New Zealand, where the Michael family has been growing barley for five generations. They now produce over 29 types of malt, including several world firsts, such as their very own Toffee, Shepherd's Delight, and Supernova Malt. Whether your goal is to brew a crisp New Zealand Pilsner or a rich and decadent Imperial Stout, Gladfield Malt has the perfect malt for your brew. And if you're looking to brew a classic recipe using only Gladfield's award-winning ingredients, you can download their free recipe conversion app, which is available for both iOS and Android devices. Gladfield Craft Malts are perfect for the New Zealand brewer who is looking for quality flavors, consistency, and traceability in their malts, which they back up with some of the best customer service in the industry. You can get to know their malts and find out more about their recipe conversion app at gladfieldmalt.co.nz that's gladfieldmalt.co.nz the shout.co.nz is the home of new zealand liquor news with daily updates featuring the latest and greatest news announcements and views for the new zealand liquor trade industry the shout.co.nz has everything you need to keep up with happenings in on-premise and off-premise information beer wine and spirit news and everything in between you can register for our weekly e-newsletter at shout.co.nz that's the shout.co.nz Beerbana 2017. This is John Ojaka here with Gary Henwood. How's it going? Good, bro. Very good. Glad to be here. So uh, I don't know. We're gonna go. We're gonna rock around in this very noisy environment, uh, talking to brewers. Uh, just kind of ask them what they're pouring uh, and get a little insight into uh, all that is available. What do you think? This is your first Beerbana experience, is it not? Uh, I came last year and I have a few favorites that I want to visit again and see if they're still doing good things. Um, yeah, no, it's your first time. It's my first time. It's my first time. <laughs> uh, 
All right, well, I'm seeing the band coming along, so it's about to get noisy by the look of it. Well, uh, let's let's take off and go, uh, let's go try some beer, shall we? Go, let's do it. All right, tell us uh, who you are, where you're from, and uh, what you're pouring. I'm uh, Soren from Eatwine Brewing, and today we're pouring uh, three barrel-aged beers in our cucumber Berliner Weiss. Uh, so the barrel-aged beers are Wild Fijoa, which um, is a pale sour beer that, that's been barrel-aged for about two or three years, and then another year on Fijoas. Uh, the Fistful of Cherries is technically much the same beer, but the cherries instead of uh, the Fijoas. And then we got a, our I Start Unchained, which is the first time we're pouring that. And that's our uh, normal I Start, uh, barrel-aged for on average of maybe two or three years, uh, with bread from Ices, and then uh, blended up in the end. It's delicious, yeah, I'm drinking it right now. Uh, like it a lot. I'm gonna have to try the 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 one with cherries. What did you, you said it was the wild Fijo, but with cherries instead of uh, Fijos? It's or? much the same beer, yes. It's much the same beer. It's, um, it's a pale sour beer with a aged on a similar amount of cherries as uh, the Fijos, Fijos, so. Wonderful, well, thanks very much. You're welcome. So tell us who you are and uh, what you're pouring. Uh, it's Joss from Garage Project, and we're here at our Cabinet of Curiosity stand. So we've got six brand new beers that are all themed around these collections of eccentricities and trinkets that people used to have before we'd have museums and gallery spaces. And in our mind, seeing a place like that back in the day would have blown your mind. And so we brought six beers that we hope are, are unusual and unique that people haven't seen before based around that. So we've got the Aardvark, it's a sour-based beer. Uh, we've conditioned on 350,000 lemongrass ants. Uh, we need to stop you right there, and you need to you need to say a little bit more about the fact that this beer has ants in it. Yeah, yeah. So you know they have a really strong citrus lemongrass flavor to them. Uh, they're free range ants from the South Island. Uh, you're starting to see them appear in some sort of interesting um, dishes in quite high end restaurants, and we thought it'd be quite fun to bring them into a beer today. And uh, amazing. The quantity we needed was pretty substantial. Amazing. So, it's, um, you know, alongside that, we've got the Mermaid's Hand. It's one of the beers uh, coming out of our new wild workshop. It's been fermented with uh, a huge amount of peri juice from Peckham's, um, with a couple of strains of Brett. Uh, but another Brett beer next to it, which is the Toadstone, and it's a black buckwheat Brett fermented bourbon barrel aged beer. Um, we've got that in some, um, some beautiful, um, freshly emptied double oak bourbon barrels we brought in from the States recently. Uh, Pouring uh, a beer called Tempest Prognosticator. Uh, it's based on this crazy contraption that, that someone figured out and uh, built that they could use leeches who can detect the changes in bar barometric pressure to climb up this device and ring a bell, and then it would literally signal that the weather was about to change. Oh, Shit, you're not. Um, and that is a uh, cinnamon and chocolate porter base that we top up with a uh, burnt mandarin citrus foam. It's like a Jaffa-inspired beer. Uh, we've got the Sintamanti, and that's a citrus IPA infused with Buddha's hands. It's a really unique type of citrus that comes out around this time of the year. It's quite unique. Uh, and then we've got the, the Golden Spiral, and that's a huge, huge double IPA that we've hopped using a uh, hopping regime inspired by the Fibonacci number sequence. So uh, there's an ungodly amount of hops in it, and there's an ungodly amount of hop additions all through the process. And tell people about the, the Fibonacci number sequence and how that how, how you've applied 
or inserted hops into it? Uh, that's that's really Pete's Pete's mastermind. That one. <laughs> I've, I've looked at the brew sheet and it's it's a mess. Uh, apparently, it, it all makes sense, but you know, it's the numbers and the sequence that it grows as, right. it, as it develops, and then it's also has the sort of the golden ratios that you find in nature and a lot of elements. Uh, and you inserted hops along those those yeah, those beats. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, fantastic. And and you were mentioning a moment ago that you guys have a sour pop-up bar in town. That's pretty unique. T- tell us about that. So we're running GP and Friends again. Uh, we've got it up at the tap room in, uh, in Arrow Valley. Uh, and then we've uh, also brought it to our wild workshop in Marion Street and thrown open the roller doors for the first time to the public. And uh, you can sit uh, amongst our fooders and uh, amphoras and drink some beers from uh, Friends Breweries, the likes of Cantillon, Rear Barrel, um, Hill Farmstead, Crooked Stave. You're uh, serving Cantillon and Rare Barrel, and oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, so just bring some beers that people might not have experienced before and, and serve them in this week. It's fun for us. Alongside some GP beers, we've got 100% Brett fermented IPA there and a couple of other beers from the workshop. So. Fantastic. Sounds delicious. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. All right, tell us who you are and uh, what you're drinking. David from uh, Brewing. Um, drinking a a clam white IPA, Platy Bay Clams, a little beer I've knocked up for uh, beer butter. And, and who brewed that? Moab Brewing Company. <laughs> hey, well, that's a, if that's not a testament to uh, the faith in your own product, I don't know what is. Um, what else have you had that you, you, you like here today at uh, Beer Vana? Uh, the Kush from Liberty, uh, I rate that, and uh, Yogurt and Bruce from uh, Fork, uh, Fork Brewing. Fantastic. You guys serving anything special today? Uh, there's a collab chocolate milk stout with Lewis Road uh, Creamery. Uh, what else have we got? Platy baked clam beers, three of those. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much. Looking forward to trying some of it. No worries. Cool. Cheers. All right. Tell us who you are and uh, what you're pouring. So uh, my name's James Hay, and I'm from a company called Beerfic Brewing Company. We're based in um, Wanaka. Um, we're up here at Beervana. It's pretty, this is like about as far as we get festivals in the North Island, but it's good to be up here, eh? Like, it's a great festival. Um, at the moment, we're drinking the Mojo Pin, which is part of our core range. Um, it's the first beer we did about two years ago, with, um, and we use a wine yeast in it, so it's fermented with wine yeast and an owl yeast together. Um, and it just kind of contributes quite a fruity characteristic, and then it's kind of got like almost... We've been working on it and playing around, like every batch has been a little bit different, just bring it through to make it more and more drinkable, but it's got like a little bit of a sort of a estuary sort of tanniny sort of aftertaste there too, but um, it's also just, you know, nice and balanced with a good amount of like sweetness coming through. Um, and that's part of our core range, and we, we've got another couple of beers, we've got four beers out of the eight we've got here from the Wine and Owl series, so they're using a wine yeast, um, so we've got the Blazing Hops, which we did for the Gabs Festival in Australia, and then Secret Gun we did for the Smiths IPA Challenge, and then um, Bullshit Bingo is the one we've got here for Beer Barna. Nice. Um, well, I think wine yeast, as we were talking about earlier, it's fairly unique. This is the first time I've actually had a beer that was brewed using wine yeast. You, you talked about some of the characteristics, but what inspired you to to take that approach, to use wine yeast to ferment your beer? Um, I was actually reading a Gordon Strong book, and he was talking about how um, I love Belgiums. So it's just, I mean, it's goddamn, the category so big. It's just basically saying I love any beer that comes from somewhere that just makes it in a different format. Right. 
and um, I was reading a book and he was talking about how the yeast, uh, red wine yeast is quite similar to the Belgian strain, some Belgian strains anyway, and under microscope and in the temperature conditions that it will ferment at. Ferment at. Um, so that just got me thinking, I was like, well, you know, in New Zealand we don't have a lot of Belgian strains really accessible. I was like, well, you know, we make a lot of wine and so maybe about 80% of New Zealand's reds are made with yeast, not just a wild yeast, they're using a red wine yeast. Um, and I was like, oh, well, why can't I just start using this in the beer? And so it just became a sort of a thing that we started doing. Um, and we call them now like Centro Targo Ales because obviously we're from the home, home of Pinot country and so it kind of makes sense, you know, part of the evolution where we'll put some in barrels and things like that as well. Very cool, very cool. And for the homebrewers listening, uh, what strains of wine yeast have you had the most luck with? What do you what do you think imparts the best flavor in, in beer? Yeah, so we started with like an RC212, um, but that would come through a little bit too strong. Like you kind of like, if the batch was young, you'd get quite a band-aid taste coming from it. Over time though, that, I mean, it really aged well that beer for like the Mojo Pins 4.8%, but you know, a year later it was actually drinking great. Like it's really interesting. I'm still like holding on them just holding them back for myself um, and then at the moment we're using 71B Melvin um, how do you say that um, and that one's more of a Pinot style yeast um, we're finding that really good results with that we do want to use oh, forgetting the name of the other one we want to use more of a rosé white wine yeast but I'm trying to get the commercial quantities the wine guys haven't got it at the time so we couldn't we'll be looking to do it more of Oh, well, awesome. Uh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. All right, so tell us who you are and what you're drinking. Hi, I'm David Cryer from Cryer Malt, and I'm drinking Eagle Brewing, their IPA. Delicious. Yeah. What do you get from it? Lots of nice hops, lots of lovely malt, the perfect balance. Uh, so what, what's your favorite beer been so far today here at Beervana? It will be that Eagle Brewing beer. Oh, that, so what you're drinking right now is your favorite. Cool. Anything else? Any other stars uh, in this? Well, I don't know what the right word is. This uh, plethora. <laughs> That's not the right one. But uh, the amazing amount of beer that we've had here today. Anything else shine out or stand out to you? Yeah, I tried the uh, Castle's Red IPA. Really tasty. Cool. A little biscuity. Lovely. Awesome. Well, fantastic. Thank, thanks a lot. Thank you. Cheers. All right, tell us who you are and uh, what you're pouring. Hey, I'm Stu McKinley from Yeasty Boys. I'm back in the country for eight days for Beervana and our business is AGM. Uh, we're pouring a um, uh, special beer for the festival called Hells a Poppin', which is a hot smoked IPA, collaboration with Fire Dragon Chilies from up north. We're brewing, um, pouring Royal Tannenbaum, which is our fifth birthday celebration of Gunnamatta, our biggest selling beer. It's a um, Imperial Earl Grey IPA. Some fun beers. Very cool. Had anything else that you found special at uh, this year's Beervana? Unfortunately, I never get a chance to kind of like walk around and try many beers these days because I'm talking so much and yeah, um, yeah. you know pouring beers. But um, I'm a massive fan of craft work uh, from Omaru. I tried a couple of their beers and I think they you know they're getting the closest of any New World brewery I think I've tried into uh, you know the classic Belgian um, you know, wild ferments and everything. Beautiful beers. Um, I'm a big fan of Falcon Brewer and their collaboration with Burning Skies pouring today and beautiful beer as well. Cool. Well, I'm a fan of your stuff, so uh, thanks for taking the time. Cheers. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. All right. Well, tell us who you are and where you're from. Hamish from Concept Brewing in Christchurch. Uh, today, pouring a few different beers, sort of truffles. Truffles are good. We're using them. Um, 
spinach. I'm really terrible at these sort of things. Spinach beer, eh? That's, that, that's different. Yeah, so it came, sort of came about a trial we did for Lincoln University. Mm-hmm. Did that. Put the um, spinach in the water just to try to reuse the water. Works out. Surprisingly not green, but quite tasty. Very cool, very cool. Well, so what inspired you to use truffle in your beer? Because I see you have, what, three different truffle beers, is it? Yeah, so we've got the truffle grazer, uh, we've got an English, uh, Irish red, and also a gozler. Oh, a goz, sorry. Um, oh, we were going to use mushrooms, I thought, let's be extravagant. Yeah. You know? yeah. Why not? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> if you're going to go for it, really go for it. Go big, go big. But um, no, it's just, yeah, just the fun of trying new things and having a laugh and seeing how they come out, and it's good to sort of bring them here. Very cool, and you seem to be doing uh, a lot more sort of session styles. Is that your thing, or you know, what, describe the the, uh, what, what, the philosophy of your brewery? Like, what are you after? Sessionable is the key, I think. Yeah. Beers that people can enjoy, people that come back to them. Um, I don't think there's any point making beers that are massively over the top, hop wise, and that sort of stuff. Just make stuff that people can enjoy that tastes good. Yeah, well, as I was saying before, you're making smoky beer, which I'm a huge fan of, so so good on you. Well, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Cool. Thank you very much. Tell us who you are and uh, what you're pouring. Oh, I'm Michael from Omaru from Craftwork Brewery. Leanne's just serving a customer at the moment, so I'll speak for her. She's serving a Dark Lord, which is our Belgian quad classic yeast. Just a normal take on it. No extra ingredients, just fairly straightforward and normal. Horrible thing to brew, though. Yeah. How, how so? Oh, it's just so difficult uh, to to put that many ingredients in to get the fight, the original gravity and also the final gravity is difficult because it often sticks. So it's it's uh, it's a beast to brew. We yeah. we say we say that on the label. Right, yeah. Right. Well, you guys, uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but you guys are sort of the cool kids in town at the moment. You're making some pretty amazing beers and uh, very artful beers brewed in a very artful way. Uh, you know, uh, describe your approach to brewing and what is you're trying to accomplish as a company. We, uh, it's interesting because we don't think we're cool at all. We're, we're trad, which means, you know, if you were cool, you would say that's totally rad, <laughs> but I would say it's traditional. Yeah. Uh, which means that that is different to most other people so maybe that's a difference it wasn't done as some sort of marketing thing it's just reflective of who we are you have to remember that we're essentially commercial home brewers so we we I have a folk well we both have a phobia of equipment you know, it's, it's scary so um, it's very crude very hands on but very much how it used to be made uh, in Belgium and, and we we specialize in Belgian beers because we basically love the place, uh, the people and the beer so much. So one reason is that if you live in Omeru, uh, it's almost impossible to drink a Belgian beer. So when, as home brewers, we would just have to make it. Uh, a lot of our beers, therefore, uh, some people might think they're copies of Belgian beers and I think they're more um, homage to it uh, or a nod in the direction of certain styles, which we do deliberately. So we make it, for example, a Flanders Red, uh, and we we have an original one, we have a Sour Cherry one. So it's not exactly the same as a Rodenbach Grand Cru or Chacdori, but it's, um, it's, it's a nod or a homage to that. We use that yeast. The, the beauty of the modern world is that you can just obtain uh, any obscure yeast pretty much compared to the pioneers in the craft world like say Richard Emerson or Carl Vasta, um, the other you know the people from the 90s, um, they they had much have much harder time. And of course the internet didn't exist there neither. So um, it's quite funny because we're we're a, a older generation, but 
all our all our brewing mates are quite young, and it's it's a it's just a pleasant and in, uh, quaint little uh, situation to find yourself in. I will say the brewer, the brewers in the brewing community are absolutely wonderful, supportive, interactive, and cooperative. Uh, in my so other so-called real job, um, it's very lonely. You know, there is there isn't a community as such, um, and and I feel that we feel the geographic isolation also being in Omaru somewhat. So we love coming to Wellington, uh, love going to the bars, love coming to this festival. Yeah, yeah, that comes up a lot. Just how open the brewing community is. You yeah. don't you don't experience that in really any other industries, and our, our closest relative might be the wine industry, yes. and it couldn't be more. Uh, opposite. I've you know? heard that, and yet it's it's also lovely for us because we've got a, a good mate, um, uh, Renzo Mino from Pasquale, which is Waitaki Valley. He does field blends and uh, does a really interesting thing called uh, Black Star, which is uh, a blend. I've heard yeah, about it. Yeah, it. and he's he's he couldn't be more like a person from yeah. the brewing world. So uh, some of actually we one of our beers today uh, is our triple. Uh, that we that we make uh, called Good Lord with shemag yeast, and we blended that with his sweet Gewurztraminer, and then uh, throwing some throwing some champagne yeast on top, uh, and that's that's really good. Here's here's one of our lovely suppliers, Gabby. <laughs> From Gladfield. Gabby from Gladfield Mall. How are you doing, Gabby? I'm very good, thank you, John. Awesome. Well, we're we're going to have to get you on the podcast uh, pretty soon wow. as well. That'll be an honor. Thank it's you. Cast. It's cast. Is that right? Oh, wow. Yeah. That should be fun. <laughs> All right, well, thank, well, thank both of you for. Uh, you, you, need, you need to, at some stage, get drag. Well, I might drag Leanne over so you can talk to her. Here comes the boss. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. So uh, apparently you're the boss, and uh, we tell us a bit uh, more about the beers. Uh, he's mentioned Dark Lord. What else are you pouring? Uh, we're pouring three sour beers: um, Le Frambois and Brussels Mabel, and actually four Red Bonnet Sour Cherry. So they're sort of fruity, fruited sour. So the fruit sits for at least six months once it's come out of the barrel uh, in a separate fermento. Um, and we've also pouring Autobahn, which is our collaboration with Kerry Gray from Choice Bro. So we made that first in 2014. So we're on to our third barrel. That's changed quite a bit. The first two barrels were Gewurz Tamina barrels. Um, and we use some East Coast yeast bugs. And uh, this time round, we got a bug slurry from Adam Laird from Maiden um, for the barrel. And we're using Pinot Gris. Very cool. Well, I had a chance to try your Frambois, and I, I thought it was fantastic. It was a very, very great example of the style. And there's a lot of surprising residual mouthfeel left, which you don't get a lot in that style. That's probably my biggest complaint about it, so I really loved it. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, we've had some lovely feedback. People who say they love the smell, and they're not disappointed that it's sour, because they don't want it to be as sweet as it smells. So I love hearing that. It's delicious stuff. Well, thanks very much. Thanks, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, John. Cheers. All right, tell us who you are and what you're pouring. Hey, guys. My name's Luke. Uh, I'm the assistant slash lead brewer at North End Brewery up in Waikanae. Um, so here we are at Beervana. Pouring a whole range of stuff today um, from some of our newer beers. Um, I guess the premier being Pit Boss, which is a smoked doppelbock, smoked dark lager, um, which we smoked about 40% of the malt in our sister restaurant, 
the Salt and Wood Collective uh, up on the coast. So we made a fair bit of a, a mess in the restaurant for a good week there. Uh, we're really happy with how it came out. Um, we're also showcasing some of our uh, more rare kind of barrel-aged beers. Um, we have Rivage Brux, which is a, originally started as our Saison, which we um, Asian Sauvignon blank barrels for a, around about a year and a half, uh, blending here and there. Um, so it's a really, really nice, uh, quite tight, quite tannic uh, barrel-aged beer. Um, we've also got some uh, kind of special uh, rum, rum age oak beers on so visitation which is our belgian quad and also uh, rum sands which is uh, iron sands uh, our stout um, also with rum infused oak chips in it um, so yeah also pouring an ipa and, and stonekeeper so, some of the beers that you'll kind of recognize from around on our shelves uh, and some more kind of special uh, festival only beers very cool well I have just gone and done a crazy mad dash around this place because uh, with, with Stu from uh, Yeasty Boys trying to find your place because as I asserted I'm I'm the malt guy I'm not the big hoppy beer fan and you got uh, and he and Stu was like you you've got to have North End you've got to have North End and I'm pretty impressed by your lineup because am I mistaken I don't I don't see an I oh no I do see an IPA I was gonna say I don't see an IPA but I can somebody start a brewery in New Zealand that doesn't serve IPA that I would be I'd be extremely impressed no but you do you do seem to be malt oriented is that fair to say yeah, I think that's definitely fair to say. Um, so, so Kieran Hazardmore, who I'm sure a lot of people listening know, is our head brewer and, and recipe designer. Um, so I think his background is definitely definitely English and Belgian style beer. Um, I guess from from our initial lineup, you could probably say that the English beers take take a little bit more of a precedent. Um, we're doing a lot of, of malt accented beers. Um, I think being a New Zealand craft brewery, uh, if you will, we do have to do somewhat of, a, of an IPA. So. We do too, actually. We do Devil's Elbow and Beach Hoist. Um, we're definitely not an IPA brewery, so correct correct uh, assumption there. But we do, I mean, I think it's all about variety. We love to brew different kinds of beers. Um, and I think we do, you know, it's been a few times now we've some, sorry, brewed some more hot four beers. And, um, yeah, also really happy with how that's coming along. But I think ultimately that's probably not North End's uh, future. We'd like to be a little bit different. Um, I think we're... Safe to say, I would probably go along the path of more English uh, and Belgian oriented beers, but I mean, yeah, it's all about variety, and we like to brew what what people like to drink, really. So, so yeah. Fantastic! Thanks so much for taking the time. No worries, man. Cheers. Cheers. All right, tell us who you are and what you're pouring. Yeah, we are Carl and Ed. Myself is Ed uh, from the New Zealand Homebrewers Conference, and um, we're promoting the conference here. And we figured we also would like to show the world that homebrewers make awesome beer. So we found uh, eight different beers from all over New Zealand that have a homebrewing background. People who are craft brewers but used to be homebrewers or homebrewers who won competitions and uh, therefore made their beer commercially. So currently we have pouring a gin and juice, which is two boys from Wellington who made a 200 liter batch uh, with junipers and uh, lemon zest or grapefruit zest, I believe. That's been a killer seller last night. Um, we have a Hazy Sunday, which is an East Coast IPA, the latest rage, I'd say, in the IPA category. Very hoppy, beautiful, no oxidation at all. Uh, it's been uh, fermented in a Williams Warren brew keg, which gives it a nice home brewery thing. Um, Belle Saison, 
is made by Jamie McQuillan, who took out Best Brewer and Best Beer last year in the National Homebrew Competition. Um, it's a beautiful saison, quite tart and everything. Um, and then we've got a peanut butter and jelly, which is fits the whole Bivana craze about doing uh, crazy beers, you know. Uh, has a nice peanut nose and then it has a great tartness from the berries that they've added. How'd they get the peanut butter into this one? I believe they dry knotted it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they actually use pig's peanut butter from Nelson, so it's got a nice local thing as well. Very cool, very cool. So tell us a little bit about the New Zealand Homebrew Conference and you know what you guys have coming up uh, uh, next, well, next year, yeah. So this will be our third conference. We um, started off with uh, just a, three guys and three laptops and organized ourselves a conference. We've organized uh, Randy Mosher to come over from the US. Uh, we've been chasing Randy for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, Denny Pond, who's a bit of a nutcase, and would sure. be glad to have his input. And Eddie Johnson, who's a um, US NHC winner, and apparently with an utterly exceptional palette. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when is it, and, and how can people uh, register to go? Sure, the conference is held from the 23rd to the 25th of March. It's held in Nelson. It's wrapped around Marchfest, so there's a big happy beery weekend. Yeah. Um, and any, anyone who wants uh, to find out register for interest for tickets can go to uh, nzhc.nz. Very cool. Well, thanks, guys. No worries. All right, so tell us who you are and what, uh, what you're doing here at Beervana 2018. 2017? Let me do that again. <laughs> Two days of drinking behind me. I'm a little tired. All right, tell us who you are and uh, what your involvement is with uh, Beervana 2017. Hi, uh, my name's Jess Ducey, and I'm the organizer of the New Zealand's Hottest Homebrewers competition, which kicked off last year for the first time. We changed the homebrew comp to be a team event, so you're entering a team, we limit it to one style to try to make it a little more accessible for brand new homebrewers and give you a chance to have a bit of fun and not get too caught up in all the details of really specific styles and just get people interested in brewing. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. We had 17 teams this year. Eight of them competed today in the semifinals and finals. And in about a half an hour, the three final ones will have their beers tasted to crown the winner. Very cool. What was the style this year? The style this year was a brown ale, which was a lot of fun. Talking to a lot of the teams, most of them had never made a brown ale, thought they didn't really like them, and are now a bit more excited about them, which is selfishly pretty great, because I like brown ales. Yeah, yeah, same here. Tell us about the, the rounds, because it's it's kind of, like you were saying, it's kind of fun. It's a little bit game showy kind of kind of vibe. There's a there's a, a lot going on with each one of those rounds. Describe those to the folks listening. So the first round um, before Beervana is uh, judging. So in order to get to the top eight, your beer had to be good. And then here at Beervana, the first round is the physical challenge. We played a little bit of flip cup with water, the classic American frat party game. Um, and that's just to kind of lighten the load, get people having a laugh. And then the middle round for the four teams that come out of flip cup, um, there's a taste test round. So we gave them six beers and a little quiz with some, you know, origins of hops, style of beer, try to name them, that kind of thing. And then... Um, there's a beer quiz as well to go with the knowledge round, and then the top three teams out of that go on to get their beer tasted by our panel of judges, and then the winner is again crowned on taste. So we've got most of it is about the skill of your beer, but we've thrown in a bit more of knowledge around the beer industry and brewing. Um, so you can kind of draw different strengths in your team, and you can have the sciencey trivia person and the brewer and the flip cup champion. <laughs> well, very cool. Have you had anything special at Beervana this year that uh, that you've been fond of? You got a favorite? Oh God. Um, I was a big fan of Tiamana's Even Older Fritz yesterday. That's a classic. Every time that comes out somewhere, it's just getting more and more delicious the older he gets. Um, 
craft work is always a delight. There's a bunch of real good sours over there. Um, and North End is probably my local favorite. Um, just always so good. And the meat over there with salt and wood is excellent. So don't miss any of those. Awesome. Well, thanks very much. Thanks. All right. So tell us who you are uh, and what you're doing here at Brivana. Uh, so we are Baby Name Bruce. We're currently based in the Hawks Bay. Um, we are here for the homebrew competition, which was for brown ales this year, which we have just won. Congratulations. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, tell us about that beer. Um, I'll let the brewer tell you about it. So it's an English-style um, brown ale, and we brewed it around... We mashed it around 70 degrees for about 45 minutes. And then fermented. Sorry. Um, it's all right. I'm just trying to remember. Well, what were you going for? We fermented with a um, English bitter yeast. Yeah. Do you know what strain it was? Because we all got kind of an oaky ester out of it, which we really liked. And WLPU 013 is known for an oaky ester. We're just kind of wondering if that's so what they, you used. They might have been from the toasted walnuts. Oh, you added toasted yes. walnuts. Ah, we didn't see any um, uh, notes on any of these. So, yes. we didn't. so we toasted a few walnuts and put them in the mash as well. Oh, very cool. It's yeah. definitely a true style beer. This, we, we found it had sort of nutty, subtle characters on the nose. But then on the palate, it was quite molasses-y. Um, and we actually came short on the gravity from the recipe yeah. and we were a little bit devastated. Um, but in the end the beer turned out pretty good. It's got yeah. quite a light brown, which is yeah. quite smoky. Yeah. yeah, well we really all liked it. And I'll tell you the testament is that when we were done, I finished my glass oh. <laughs> instead of instead of pushing it aside. Oh. So congrats Yeah, congratulations you guys. Good. Thank Thanks, you so much for judging. Alright, tell us who you are and where you're pouring. Uh, Jason Mathgate, McLeod's Brewery. Uh, let me see what we got today. Uh, well, we're from Waipu, too. Don't want to forget that one. Trial Hop, uh, which is a really interesting little pale ale. Um, that we just, real basic beer, but we got um, 10 kilos of a really nice hop from New Zealand Hops this year. It's in the last stages of its trial phase. So we got an opportunity to be able to make a, a little, little, little batch of it. It's lovely, big, bright peach character. Uh, we've got our classic, our Long Border Lager, which is probably our biggest selling beer at yeah, this yeah. stage. Late hops, um, really nice, pretty clean profile, classic lager. Uh, Black Watch, last year's 2016, the last keg in existence. Uh, definitely a big tree, 11% beast. Uh, one of the most exciting ones would be um, the Bonnie that you just had, which is um, uh, Saison uh, fermented with Vardre uh, for Tanamyces, so it's just starting to get real nice and funky. Should last for years. And one of my favorites, the 802 series that we've been doing, which is uh, a lot of beers from my home state type influence. Mm -hmm. So this one has got Centennial, Mosaic, and Zythos in it. So it's just a straight up fresh unfiltered IPA. It's real clean, real juicy, and just real easy to drink. So a proper East Coast IPA. Yeah, I hate to say that East Coast <laughs> IPA, but yes, yes. Uh, I'm gonna have for, to try that because for lack of a better term. Yes. You're, seeing as you're you're you know from Vermont, that's probably about as close to uh, an actual East Coast IPA I'm gonna get without going back to the states. I agree, man. Absolutely. I mean, I know there's a few other guys that have been making some really nice ones, but um, yeah, I'm really quite proud of the ones that we've made. Um, and I actually are, but I won't go into that. And, uh, Oh, Traders. Um, our Scotch Ale, a little Horopito. Pretty classic, wee heavy with a hint of rye. Yeah, nice one. 
Nice, nice. Well, since you've gotten involved uh, or started brewing for McLeod's, like you pretty much reinvented the brewery, and I'm very curious how all your wild ales and this funky stuff and very unique stuff you're doing is going over in the far north. What, what, how do you find that the uh, the average Joe coming into the bar is uh, responding to the beers? Oh, really good, man. Uh, really impressed with the... I'm trying to find the right words the fact that so many locals that would never have drank these kind of beers are yeah. starting to drink these beers quite happily yeah, yeah. and our brewery has really become Waifu's Brewery yeah, sure. and it's not it's not even our brewery it's our community's brewery and they've really taken they're really quite proud of what we've been doing and what we've been accomplishing so on that they come in and they look for what we have and our double IPA people that were probably Lion Red Drinkers now come in and drink Tropical Cyclone <laughs> by the pine glass and love it yeah yeah, yeah no, it's Really, pretty, pretty special. Very cool. It's a, it's an awesome spot. I, I'm everybody I talk to up in Kerry Kerry. I'm trying to convince them we need to buy one of one of our bars up there and redo it to be more like McLeod's. Uh, just such a such a cool community little, little bar. I think I said the far north. You guys are technically just Northland. You're not far north, are you? Yeah, no, we're yeah. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, close enough. But uh, well, thanks very much, Jason. Really appreciate it. Thank you, mate. Awesome to see you. All right, tell us who you are and what you're drinking. Sweet. Uh, so my name is Chris. Um, I work at uh, Ron Smith's Craft Beer House in Queenstown. Uh, I'm drinking the uh, Wanaka Lager, which is uh, brand new from BFX. Um, he just launched it a little while ago. Not the world's largest lager fan, yeah, yeah, but yeah. this is one that totally ticks all the boxes. So, um, you know, the Vienna Malt's um, great color, just really refreshing and crisp. Um, I said I'm not a huge lager fan, but this one totally does it for me. So, for whatever reason, it's just well balanced and yeah, it's something I enjoy drinking. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're just, uh, what, first hour into this year's Beervana. You had anything else that you've uh, enjoyed so far? Um, so I started this morning a little rough uh, after, <laughs> being, uh, after being out last night. Uh, the first thing I tried this morning uh, was over at Altitude, which is another Queenstown um, uh, brewery. And they are doing a, a Yuzu um, Berliner. Oh, nice. Uh, like three and a half percent, and by far, yeah. right now, and I've, and I've done the whole loop, was like a standout. So, yeah, I mean, you should go and totally check it out. Fantastic, I will. I will. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Hey, tell us uh, who you are and what you're drinking. Hi, I'm Martin Craig from Beer Town, and I'm drinking a Golden Spiral from Garage Project. Yeah, what do you think? It's good. Yeah, I like it. And it is, tastes like a proper beer without any of that silly garage project stuff. <laughs> so, you've been we, we've been here for a few hours now. What have you had that you like? What's your Beervana 2017 favorite? Well, it's a toughie. I haven't even finished my first lap, and I've been two and a half hours into it. Uh, check out New New New. They've got a very nice, what is it, apricot and nectarine sour. And next door to them, there's a IPA made with pine resin from, um, who are we at? We're at Choice Bros there, and it works. They just embrace the pine. It does. It, uh, it's complimentary rather than adding an odd flavour to it, and that one works. And um, like I say, I haven't even finished my first lap yet. Yeah. Well, very cool. So tell everyone who's not familiar with Beer Town a little bit about the, the site, the company. Beertown.nz is New Zealand's online hub for beer news, craft beer in particular. Uh, we have new releases listed every week. We have beer industry jobs and all the news, what's happening in the industry, big and small. Well, fantastic. Thanks so much. Cheers. Have a good beer, Vana. All right, tell us who you are and what you're drinking. 
Oh, my name's Matt. I'm from uh, Boneface Brewing Company. I'm drinking the Unit NZ IPA from Boneface Brewing Company. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, tell us a little bit about the beer. What's in it? So this is uh, released today at Beer Havana. It's our new NZ IPA for our core range. It's uh, a nice multi beer loaded with all the good New Zealand hops, Mochawaka, Nelson Sovin, and Rewalker. Fantastic. You guys seem to be... Uh, I'd be... I'd be curious to see a graph chart of your growth, and I wouldn't be surprised if you might be one of the fastest growing breweries in New Zealand. I, I know a little bit from our conversations about what your year-end target was and how quickly you actually hit that. You want to talk about uh, some of the things that you're doing? I know you just opened a tap room. What's happening with the company? Yeah, so we hit uh, 70,000 litres this week in week 16. So, yeah, we're, we did plan to do 108,000 litres in our first year, but we're, it looks like we're going to uh, overstep that mark a little bit. Um, we're going to have to get some new tanks. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, your, your stuff is very good beer, very good. Uh, as a guy who is more of a malt and sour beer kind of fan, uh, I, don't, I don't gravitate towards the hoppy beers. And part of that reason is that they tend to be a little bit, uh, a little bit rough, or you know, they, I get a lot of oxidized hoppy beers. To be frank, and everything that I've had by you guys is just in tip-top shape. Fantastic stuff. So, really enjoy the beer. People should check it out. And thanks for talking to us. Cool. Cheers, mate. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. So we're talking to uh, David Cryer from Cryer Malt, and I've just found out that he actually started, or were you? did you start, or were you one of the people who started Beervana? Tell us about that. Yes, I was the uh, chairman of the New Zealand Brewers Guild, and we started this festival because we believed that we needed to set the bar higher than where it was in the way festivals treat brewers. The idea was to make all the other festivals raise their game, and I think we succeeded. We had it four years as the Brewers Guild, then I bought it from the Brewers Guild. Basically, the Christchurch earthquake happened, and everyone, a lot of our guys from the Guild were in Christchurch, they, so I needed to take this festival to make sure it continued. And I ran it for four years, and recently, three years ago, sold it to Wellington Country Events Trust. We're doing a cracking job. 15,000 people here today. It's just fantastic. Amazing. So when did it actually start? It was 11 years ago, so around 2006, I believe. Very cool. And how have you seen it change over the last 11 years? Huge. And it's been all in about the last four to five years when growth in craft's gone ballistic. Yeah. We did, it did have a previous life as a beer NZ, which was set up by the big two breweries. And that started about 2000, and that used to be at the old town hall. Then it went into a little hiatus for a year in 2005. We bought it as the guild. It started it. We had our first one at the overseas terminal here in Wellington. Then we went to the old town hall, which is just beautiful. But to deal with the amount of size, we had to come here where you can have 15,000. They can probably go to 20, 25,000 here, I think. Right, right. Well, you just touched on half of this question, but, you know, for anyone who's not here or has not had the chance to come to Beer Runner, we're literally standing in the, uh, what do you call this area of a, of a stadium? Uh, it's called the concourse. So we're in the concourse of an entire stadium, and it's just brewery after brewery with thousands of people coming through, uh, and it's a pretty amazing... It's Disneyland for grown men with beards uh, and pot bellies who like to drink beer, pretty much. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, but take us back to the very first Beervana and what was that like? How big was it? You, you mentioned it was in a different location. Talk about that by, by comparison. We had about uh, 200 people, I think it was. Wow. Amazing. Very small. In a hall. Yeah. Then we went to the town hall. And the problem with um, some of the 
councils, they um, they can tell you who you can have for food, they tell you how you can cook, they have to have all these rules. The great thing of coming to the stadium is you can do whatever you like, because you really have to let off a nuclear charge to damage this place. So you can prepare barbecues, you can do anything you like. So the brewers have been able to express themselves. So when you walk around the concourse, you'll notice really amazing stalls. I always wanted to be like a car show. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. In it a is. positive way, and it's like that, and the brewers are really expressing themselves. It's a cross between a car show and uh, Mardi Gras. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we want. A big, great party. Yeah, fantastic. Well, there's not many things that could get me in a car to drive for 13 hours in a single day, and this is one of those things. So thanks for starting it. Well, you were on the road to Birvana then. Uh, well, I literally would have been on the road to Birvana, but I did it in one day. <laughs> and I'm about to do it in one day going back up. But That is what I call dedication. <laughs> it is indeed. Well, thanks very much. Thank you. You're listening to the New Zealand Brewer Podcast. Kainui Bruko is a fast-growing farmhouse brewery located at Kirikiri in the far north, offering a wide range of beer styles from our highly sessionable Woodamu Wallace Scottish Ale to our unfiltered East Coast Double IPA, bursting with juicy tropical fruit flavours. Or if you prefer the complexities of farmhouse ales and mixed ferments, then try our Summer Love Saison, a refreshing Belgian Saison that is brimming with notes of black pepper and ripe pineapple. Just one of the many enticing beers in our farmhouse and sour funk series. To find out more about our tasting room, trading hours, or our growing lineup of beers, go to kainuibruco.co.nz. That's kainuibruco.co.nz. Kia ora. All right, we are back. Uh, so, so what you think there, Gary? Listening back to that. Oh, I'm excited. I want to go back. I want to have a party. <laughs> yeah, it's it's way more fun when you're not actually hungover because you've been drinking for <laughs> two and a half days. Ooh, you were in rough shape that next the first morning. No, what was what's pathetic about this, and I've done this at almost every beer event, you know, because I, I go to the Guild Awards or I try to, and I've gone to Beervana a few times and and go to as many of these things as I can. And, you know, after a, a few years in now, starting to get to know quite a few folks, and I make the same mistake every single year, which is to show up at, you know, the night it's before. Too soon. Yeah, show up the night before, so it's 8 or 9 o'clock, long day in the car. I want to go out. I want to have a couple of beers. Just going to just gonna have a couple early night, you know, get show up fresh and ready for the next morning and then uh and then next thing you know it's 4 a.m uh you've you've seen everybody that you've ever met at one of these things and and spent uh the entire night uh drinking rare and wonderful beers only to uh leave yourself with four hours of sleep uh feeling a little seedy as you as you head off to drink beer at 11 a.m uh at westpac stadium so yeah, so that was fun. You always pick too soon, John. <laughs> I've noticed that about you, mate. God, how how often are you going to bring this up, Gary? Jesus. <laughs> um, no, you, you did well though, because I, uh, I I only arrived at what was it one o'clock or one thirty or something that first day because I just flew in quite late. But you were in good shape, man. I thought you 
Well, you did really well. You were uh, pumped up, ready to go. Well, you've heard of that little thing they call hair of the dog, you know, a few. Uh, yeah, yeah. An I hour... thought you were going to say cocaine, but. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's <laughs> there too, was none of that, too expensive here in New Zealand. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm too old. Anyway, uh, but no, it was, a, it was a great time. And it's really, it was really cool. It was fun to listen to that. And just, you know, again, I've been part of this community for a, a few years now. I've been, I've been a quote-unquote professional beer writer for I think it's a little more than two years now and and have been uh, a hardcore full-time beer geek for uh, you know much more than that but I've been going to these things and getting to know people and this for me anyway this if this isn't too corny or sentimental or whatever uh, this was the first year where I was kind of like wow I'm, I'm becoming part of this community and it was really neat to see familiar faces and you know as we talk about a lot it's just a really the Every, I think, beer scene in the world is just the coolest group of people. It's so unlike other markets. Everyone is generally friendly and supportive, and there's a real sort of, I don't know, there's not this weird, secretive, competitive kind of thing that you get in other um, industries, I think. No no one seems threatened by or afraid of uh you know, others in the industry. Everyone's, it's, just a, it's just a good vibe all, all around. Mm. I don't know what your your perspective is. Yeah, yeah, I guess we're all we're all David versus Goliath. We uh, got to sort of combine together to you know to fight the good fight, and it's sort of it reminds me of what we had to do for wine. Uh, we have a, a thing called Bike Club up here. It's it's in the wine industry, but um, it's where we all get together and try and improve the whole like the benchmark for everyone. Mm-hmm. So we we get together and we do blind tastings and we tell people what we think of their stuff and to try and raise the bar. And I think that's what the craft beer community is trying to do is. Because we're, you know, trying to get eat into the eat into the um, the dominance that other beer um, brewers have, the the major companies, we you know we want it together. So we, uh, yeah, I think it's just a friendly industry that people are trying to you know share their stuff and, and make everyone better off. Yeah, I, th- I think you touch on an interesting point that I hadn't actually thought of before, which is that in beer, you know, the the big boys, no matter what country you're in, the, this that handful of giant breweries are so powerful and they've so dominated the market that everyone else is sort of part of the same team. Whereas I yeah. think, and you know more about the realities of the wine industry than I, but uh, I think in other industries like wine, yes, of course, there are some big wineries that have huge market share, but you there's... Everyone else is uh, they're they're there There's a more legitimate competition, a more legitimate fight for survival amongst the rest of those wineries. Um, unlike the beer industry, that is sort of seeing itself as there's there's main you know there's macro and there's craft, and everyone just wants mm. to see that bar move forward for craft. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, it may start to change a little bit. There's a whole lot more craft coming in so there's a lot of you know just little guys popping up like myself um and the 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 slightly bigger craft may see that as you know we're eating into their right into their market so there might be a little bit of sort of um i guess um unfriendly i wouldn't say unfriendliness because everyone is super friendly and it's it's just just the nature of people that brew beer i guess but um there may be a little bit of sort of uh them not wanting um some smaller ones to get in there but because they, we are sort of, we're all we're all sharing one piece of the pie at the moment. But um, yeah, I guess the aim is to increase that piece of the pie. But I think yeah, with the wine industry, they do have that sort of uh, that snobbery, I guess, is is what is seen as. But 
Um, I think it's the same as anywhere. If you're, especially in Northland, you know, it's a small. We're sort of fighting the big guys, and and we, you know, in the small communities, there is still a lot of um, information sharing and stuff like that. So I think there is, in any 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 time you've got a, a group of people sort of growing something or producing something, they generally do get together and share stuff. It's just that there are a lot of bigger players in New Zealand. Um, uh, what should I say? There's more. There's more players. And the, yeah, the range is, is more uh, diverse here, I guess. I, I think what you're trying to say is beer guys are way cooler than wine guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> pretty, that's what you're going for. Much. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that was you know that was fun to listen to again. Hopefully, that was interesting to you guys. I heard a couple of things that I you know I said wrong. Me, both myself and David Cryer said the same thing. We both said there were fifteen thousand people there that day. Mm. Um, that's not true. There were 15, was it. That fifteen thousand people over the the weekend. The or, whole uh, yeah. right, right. Um, so, so so correcting that. There was one other thing that I I, I know I said that um, was a mistake, and I, I don't know what it was. Um, anyway, uh, but it was it was really fun to listen to it uh, down again uh, once more. It was very loud, and uh, I, I don't think it was chaotic. too bad, man. Yeah? Like you, I think you oversold the the loudness. I'm, not, I'm normally not one for signing up to listening to you know those sorts of things because it's sort of distracting and stuff like that. But I thought that was really good. I I didn't find it hard to listen to at all. I, um, it was cool to hear from you know a lot of New Zealand's brewers, and there's some guys you would haven't may not have heard of before, and I thought it was really cool. Um, cool. Yeah, good job, man. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks for that. Yeah, you you were there. I was just me sort of doing the talking, so I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's that, that's the main job, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, cruising around and getting up there in people's faces, and then um, you know, and making it sound good because it. Like you're right. Like the the uh, you have the impression that it's going to be loud and hard to listen to. But I thought listening back now, I thought that was really good. That little two dollar app, that one dollar and ninety nine cent app, did a pretty damn good job. I got to say. Shit, yeah, that's great. Anyway, well, um, one of the things that we like to do in this show uh, is share a recipe. I say, I say, we like to do like <coughs> we have this long, you know, ten ten years yeah. of history behind All us. Right. We're on episode number three, folks. So uh, episode number one, we didn't do it. Gary was both co-host and uh, guest on that episode. Uh, episode number two uh, featured. Um, I kind of did give one in that first one. Did I, you? Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, oh, I just just off the cuff, I just said that what my saison was. I just said what yeast. I didn't give the exact nah, um, that's, things. I just that's said, not I a recipe. That's not the same thing. Not the uh, same thing. That you could replicate the exact beer by following what I said. Don't you? Could you? I, I don't. I don't even yeah, recall. I did, it was just ninety percent of something, ten percent of something else, and I told the. Oh yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway, we 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 yeah. we got a recipe for uh, Mike's Karanaki IPA from from Ron yes. Trigg, and you know this was Gary's push to really get recipes in. I think it was a good idea, and that's kind of what we're going to go for. Can't promise we'll have one in every single episode, but we're we're certainly going to try. Um, so that's again as the format to the show sort of shapes up. That's the plan uh, because this was a Beervana episode, and we don't. Um, you know, we don't have a, a brewer as a guest to ask. Uh, mm. I thought we'd turn to you, Gary, and see if you could share one of your award-winning of recipes. Of course, <laughs> with, I give all today. of my award-winning winning recipes. Um, I will share a recipe with you, John, and the listeners. Uh, it's our rank-and-file <coughs> American porter. And, and you know, we're not, we're, yeah, we're, I was going to say, I thought you weren't going to give yourself credit there. Uh, we weren't just throwing that out there to be silly. Like you actually won a bronze yeah. medal at the, this year's won, Guild won a bronze medal at the Brewers Guild last year. It was uh, the first time I entered. Um, it was, I wasn't even looking to enter the competition, but John, I think it was a month out, said, are you going to enter this? 
pushed me to do so. So I did. Entered a couple of beers. I think I, I think was, I said you should enter. I think that was yeah, my, you did. That was my you did. push. You said, you, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I had a couple of beers that I was selling at the market and sent them along. Uh, this was one of them, and got a bronze medal, um, which I thought was wrong. I thought it should have been silver or gold, but you know, it'll do. Bronze is fine. He was like, um, he's really upset because he uh, he thought the American uh, Porter category had passed and he didn't win, and he's like, he's like, <laughs> faces red, cried. kind of crying. This thing is yeah. stupid. He was like, yeah, you know, I doing threw that, threw it through yeah. some stuff, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, and, and 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 then you hear Kainui Bruko over the thing, and he yeah. was like, all really happy. This is great. <laughs> These judges are so uh, good. You painted, you painted a beautiful picture. John, that was, that's really good. Pretty accurate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, no, I was, I was actually surprised. I think I was surprised because this was I entered two beers. Um, the other was a Scottish ale, and I thought the Scottish ale was a lot better than this. To be honest, I thought it was a, uh, more well brewed. Um, this one had had issues that I knew were there, and, and uh, some some judges picked them up. Some there's a few things that um, you're making it I sound just, delicious. Issues? It's delicious. Mm. It is delicious. <laughs> oh, then, I mean, the recipe. There's nothing wrong with the recipe. If you brew it well, it is, I think it's a good recipe. I had issues with that beer. I was right. selling it at the market, wasn't intending it to send it into the competition, and I knew it had a an issue which I won't go into. But um. I have since fixed that. <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore, John, in any of my videos. No, of course not. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a really good point. Uh, it was. It originally started as a brown ale, and I like, as you know, I used to like super hobby beers, and I still do. Um, <clears throat> so that's how I started off my home brewing career is just by brewing um, lots of hop forward beers, and this is a hop and malt forward beer that's um that's you know i just i thought it would complement they complement each other really well started off as a brown ale went to a porter um just because it's it sounds better and it will sell better well it and is a porter though it's not a brown ale and no, it I'll, is a porter. I'll, no, I'll be it a recipe. i'll be honest when i had your first brown ale i did think this is pretty roasty so you you know you were yeah. on the you were on the edge of American yeah, Brown yeah. Ale with that I darkened one. it up a bit. I mean, to be honest, it was more a progression of what I wanted to drink. Like, I just, the Brown Ale, I just wanted a bit more sort of chocolate in there. So I, I added a bit more and it became more of a porter. So that's what I, I think I changed to a porter when I actually entered the beer into the competition. I may have even been selling it as a Brown Ale. But anyway, um, no, if you don't mind me correcting you, um, that's not how yeah, that you, happened. We did a we did a porter with our little homebrew club. Up that's here. right. That's what it was. Yes, of course. This was, yeah, and that was was that the same beer? I think it was, it was the exact same beer that we did for our homebrew um, club, and yeah, sent that in and and got a medal, so which I was pleased with. And uh, after my little tanty that I threw, which didn't happen, <laughs> and you but. and you continue to brew it, and it's now literally for <laughs> sale in stores. Um, yes, it is. And, it is and you're going to share the recipe with us today. I am. And uh, where do I start, Big well, John? Well, let's start with the grain bill. Right. So we've got our. Oh, and actually, if, sorry to interrupt you there. If you if you don't mind me, just kind of clarifying we're going to try to stick to a format we've been doing it so far and again this is you know our second recipe that we're sharing but we're going to stick to a format which is you know for home brewers it's going to be a 23 uh liter batch size uh we're going to use rager uh as the no, we're, not. He, we're not we're not today <laughs> because gary uses um i, I just about said Tenset. i just about said tettinger 
Um, but yeah, he uses Tinset. He uses the other one, and uh, so we're not going to do that. But I'm going to calculate everything, and I'm going to. I'll. Everything will be exactly correct for a 23 liter batch, aside for the IBU uh, level or the IBU number, which yeah. we'll post. On the site, we're going to add a little uh, recipes link there in the nav bar, which will have uh, everything so you can find mm-hmm. all the recipes we share on this show. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the IBUs, you've got a little bit of leeway there. It doesn't; It's not a super crucial part of the recipe. It's, I mean, it helps balance it out. But if you're within five or or so IBUs, I think you're right. Um, apparently, that's your, the palate perception is around five IBUs anyway. So it's if you're close enough, you're close enough. Right. Um, well, let's yeah, let's let's walk through this. Um, let's start with the grain bill, and and I'll keep you I'll keep you on track. Right. So we've got. So should I give them percentages or just amounts? no? If you if you got it there in your software, let's give and, yeah. Let's give it in 23 liter batch size. So twenty three liter batch. I've yeah. got two point six kilos of Gladfield ale malt and two point six kilos of Gladfield American ale malt. Um, point five of a kilo of pale crystal malt. 0.5 of a kilo of carapils, 0.37 of a kilo of pale chocolate, that is 950 EDC, and 0.1, uh, so 180 grams of black malt, and that would be Thomas Fawcett, I think both that and the pale chocolate, and then we've got the hops. Well, actually, wait, um, before we get into that, um, let's talk about the the... Uh, we'll we'll come to the hops in a sec, but let's just get the mash temp and uh, starting Sorry. gravity uh, correct, and then we'll just deal with hops. <laughs> I'm not used to this. Okay, so what are we uh, mash temp? Right. So what, for this, I'm aiming for. Uh, okay, so the starting gravity is ten sixty two. So ten sixty two. That's um, post boil. Start- uh, or or yes, pre-boil, post-boil. post-boil. Okay, yes, got post-boil. it. Ten sixty-two. Yep. And yeah. then, and then, uh, so I'm aiming for a, um, a finishing gravity of about ten eighteen. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I just want to keep some body in there. I don't want it to dry out too much. Um, if you, if it dries out too much, just the, the stringency takes over. But and, and because it's quite hoppy, um, it become it can become more of an IPA. So I wanted to I want to keep uh, keep the body in there to make it feel like more of a porter, but just to balance out those hops. Yeah. And to give it, yeah, to give it a rounded. Yeah, um, and, and I've had this beer. And that, that might sound high to a lot of people, but it really works in this beer. I think for the reason you just mentioned, because it is quite quite hoppy. Yeah, um, it really does turn into an IPA and to, um, to, or, or brown ale. To get you, us there, what, what's the um, mash temp? Okay, so I mash at it's saying sixty nine here. Um, let me think just for a second. <clears throat> I think yeah, sixty-eight or sixty-nine. I'm pretty, yeah, I think sixty-nine sounds about right, actually. All right. Um, and that's for fifty minutes, and then I step up for how many? Sorry, uh, for fifty minutes. Fifty five and zero. Got it. Five zero, and then I have a ten-minute um, ramp time. Uh, once that's finished, and then just finish out by you know sparging at seventy-five point six. Got it. And uh, any- oh, sorry, my ratio is three liters. Three liters per kilo uh-huh that's uh, water right um and your your um i don't know what i'm about to ask you water your, uh water yeah any treatment to the water um that's a good question i should have had that pre-prepared shouldn't i john you're just from okay you totally so should have. what i <laughs> it when, when you don't know you just say nope you say no no nothing nope. just use the water 
Water right out of the uh, yes, tap. out of the drain. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so we've got okay. So we use rainwater, and we always add salts to it. I tend to use, <clears throat> um, in most of my beers, I use mostly calcium chloride, and then I back that up with some magnesium sulfate and some Ep- uh, Epsom salts, which is uh, no, magnesium sulfate is Epsom salts. And what's the other one? Calcium sulfate Did, is gypsum. Just to put you on the spot, and I know you don't have the numbers in front of you or you mm-hmm. wouldn't have spoken in such generalities, but for the average home brewer who's doing a 23-liter batch, like what are we talking, a teaspoon of calcium chloride? Like what What would you just wing it here? What should people add to their water if they're using, you know? Oh, so this is a 23-liter batch, yeah. and I think it's it's too hard to say, but I would say uh, aim for, it's easy to find a calculator out there, aim for about 100, uh, 150 parts per million of calcium, uh, calcium, and that will give you a general idea of what the rest is going to be. Um, the sulfate to calcium, uh, the chloride to sulfate ratio, and just in favor of the chloride. Mm-hmm. And I don't add any anything to like the balance of pH on this because it normally hits about right, right. but... And most of my beers, I'm sort of aiming around the 5.5 to 5.6 in the mash. And then I acidify um, later on, you know, post uh, in the kettle. I I acidify down to close to 5 prior to fermentation because, you know, the the yeast like it. I mean, the the enzymes in the mash like it closer to 5.6. So you're adding lactic or something to bring it down? Yeah, I'll add lactic in the kettle right. if it needs it. So just to, uh, again, because I want to give homebrewers something to really lock into here, um, mm-hmm. and, and mo- you know, water is one of the most challenging aspects of this for, for people. I know it it's, is for myself. Yeah. So what would a safe number be uh, something like, sorry, I, I don't know, you, you said calcium, mostly calcium chloride, a little bit of gypsum. Is that right? So like, let's say. Well, so I use, <clears throat> I use, if you're aiming for about, Ah, God, I should have sort of this earlier, but it's it's calcium chloride is if you're aiming for a, a total of about hundred to about a hundred parts per million of calcium or hundred or even more than that, you want sort of fifty to hundred parts per million of calcium in the final beer. But I'm adding my salts to the mash, yeah. so some of that's some of that's going to drop out. So if you aim for about hundred fifty parts per million of calcium in the mash, um, then you should be about right and. Because you've got calcium sulfate. See when and you. Calcium cl- I, I think Sorry. you know when you're when you're a software user and you understand these things, you're gonna know what Gary's talking about. I guess my concern is right. that the average home brewer is okay, like this so, is way over yeah. their head. What I I'm gonna insert something and then you can tell me if this is way off because because i'm not a very technical brewer and and mm. i deal with you know water issues where i'm using rainwater as well off of the yeah, tank and yeah, a lot yeah. of new zealand brewers are um so what i do is is kind of a i want i want a constant you know i'm going to use the same water mm. source every time and then i'm going mm. to use something that is safe because i i the math of calculating the parts per million of calcium and mm. all these things is just either over my head or too irritating for me to look at so yeah. what i do is i go one t spoon of salt that's not enough for me to fuck anything up but it's enough for me for me to make sure that i get the calcium in there that's going to make the yeast healthy and it works really well it's worked really well for a long time so if i want a sweeter beer i'm gonna go i'm gonna go you know a more malt forward beer i'm gonna go a teaspoon of calcium chloride and that's gonna work if i want to you know go 
super uh, dry, hoppy kind of IPA. So, I'm going to so, go so, uh, gypsum. So, so, if I want balance, so I'm going to go half and half. Uh, a, tea a teaspoon of calcium chloride for a 23-liter okay. batch. And that works pretty well. It doesn't get me in any trouble. I'm not pushing any boundaries, yeah. and it's safe. And I, it sounds like you're saying go three-quarters of think, a teaspoon of calcium chloride yeah. and a quarter teaspoon of gypsum. We're spending an entirely so, too much time on this, but it is kind of we important. Are, we are. Sorry. It is, it is um, kind of I'm important. I'm just looking it up. I mean, if you want to work out, ever want to work out parts per million, it's milligrams per liter. So that works out to about... Uh, 2,300 milligrams, which is two grams per liter. I want teaspoons, of, bro. Teaspoons. Which is half a teaspoon. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. So how many teaspoons? Half a teaspoon. In the whole I would, the whole I would go, no, I'd go a whole teaspoon of everything, but a yeah. half a teaspoon of calcium chloride. Ah, I got it. Okay. And then I'd go half, and then I'd go split that other half a teaspoon between magnesium sulfate and calcium sulfate. Perfect. But okay. that, I mean, really, honestly, just, just get some, if you've got rainwater, get some calcium in there. So that you can, so that your yeast will happily flocculate, and then you'll be fine. Um, and the the only to, reason I'm yeah prick around with other stuff and go for it, but it's not uh, yeah. It's, it's the only reason I'm spending so much time on this is because it's a big mm. mistake. You know, we have a homebrew club up yeah. here and a lot of sort of new brewers come through and they 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 yeah. they are using tank water and they miss on those salts and it, and it ruins their beer. I think yeah. a, you need that calcium. You need a little bit of, of, of well, you need that minerality in, in your beer or it's going to it's not going to work out. I mean, I've seen beers where they were just using rainwater and no salt and you literally have chunks of yeast floating to the top in the bubbles, you know, in that carbonation because the yeast is just not, I'm not exaggerating. Really? Like, no, no exaggeration. I don't think, that, I think that's, other, surely that's other issues. No, no, I don't. <laughs> Maybe the head's still fermented. I don't think worse. it was because the brewer I'm thinking about may, I started adding those salts, just a teaspoon per, per batch and all of a sudden all those yeah. issues were gone the beers was, were clear yeah. and and yeah. you know i mean i'm not saying there were no issues left but <laughs> that was <laughs> there there was improved. anyway it was a big and thing it was a big thing is. for me <laughs> and it's been a big it's been a big thing at the club and yeah. I, I think i think yeah. in new zealand in particular you know outside of the big cities most people are using tank water and yeah. a lot of there's been a lot of bad beer because of the absence mm. of those salts but Anyway, yeah. So let's anyway, move on. there are some good calculators out there. Get on a get a water calculator, or just worry about the pH. As you know, a lot of people are out there are saying just pH is more important than what salts you're adding. And but like John says, calcium is always a good addition. Right. All right then. So moving on. So now uh, let's talk about hops. Let's talk about hops. Okay. In general. Uh, no, as pertaining yeah, to the, the recipe. recipe. Yeah. Okay. Let's just let's just stay on the recipe. Why not? <laughs> Okay, so East Kent Goldings and an American IPA, an American porter. You, how disgusting! Twenty-eight <laughs> grams of East Kent Goldings at sixty minutes. Uh huh. Twenty-eight grams of East Kent Goldings at thirty minutes, and these are five percent Okay, cool. Uh, steep Whirlpool Citra, fifty-six, uh, fifty-five grams. No, fifty-six grams. We'll call it. It's all it's all being scaled down, so they're all odd numbers. So, how would you handle the whirlpool as a home brewer? How would you compensate? Uh, I think it depends on your gear. Like, it really. Um, Let's take the average guy who's got just a wort chiller. It's going to take him, I don't know, ten minutes to get it down below that summarization point, um, right? Which is which whatever is about 90. ninety. Okay, um, you know, it's about ten minutes there. About the I don't know, thirty minutes to get you down to at least that 
temp where you're going to chuck it in the fridge and let the fridge do the rest mm-hmm. of the work. Um, right. What would you, how would you compensate for the whirlpool? <clears throat> um, I th- you're still wanting a bit of uh, bitterness from these hops, so I'd, probably, I'd just chuck it straight in there. Okay. I'd, I'd, right at flame I'd stir out. it around. What's that? Right at I'd, flame I'd, out. Flame out. Yeah. Right at flame out. I'd stir stir the pot for a bit, and then I'd chuck these hops in, and I'd close it up, and I'd start chilling, and I'd start getting it into the fermenter because I because I'm not dry hopping this beer, but I still want some hop presence right. and some hop aroma. Um, so you want to get it chilled pretty quickly, and the faster you chill it, the less DMS you're going to have. Right. So 56 um, having, um, grams sorry. at uh, 56 grams at flame out of Citra and 28 grams of Simcoe. Got it. And those are both pretty close to 12 percent alpha, but yeah. Um, so a, a total total IBUs for this is Tinseth formula, and they're 44.3 IBUs. But again, if you're if you're around 40, between 40 and 50, you're yeah, that'll probably hit the mark. Okay, we'll figure out what that Rager number is just to stay consistent for the show, and yeah. we'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll put that on the site. And it's raining all of a sudden, and I'm I'm I work in my shed, which has a non-insulated roof, so it's suddenly going to get very loud. My apologies there. Um, all right, so fermentation temp, well, ferment or yeast, and then fermentation temp. Yeast. Ah, shit, that's changed. It. God, John, putting me on the spot. Well, um, what it, used to, okay, so you no, used 007 no. originally, didn't you? I used to use 007, I did, but I haven't. I've sort of don't really use 007 in many of my beers anymore, so I've, I've switched it up and I'm using just 001 now, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because I don't use 001 in hardly any of my other beers. Um, so he's, he's talking about White Labs 001, you know, the uh, Cal, yeah, Cal Ale yeast strain, yeah. no matter. I know, think that's what you've been using most recently, but if, if I'll pretty much use any clean strain that's lying around okay. <laughs> at the time. So USO5 um, for all you uh, dry yeast users out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably, to be honest, the, the recipe is probably better with 007. Mm-hmm. It gives it, a, it, it accentuates the malt a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to think why I didn't use. 007 the last couple of times I brewed it, but whatever, for whatever reason, it doesn't really matter too much. Um, but uh, well, you all get more hot presence with the 001, but the 007, yeah, will we'll bring out that rounded malt. Flavor. Well, I've never, I've never talked um, to you about it, but it seemed to be sort of your evolution from that um, uh, hoppy American brown into a more American, quote-unquote, porter. Yeah, um, that's probably what it was, mm. yeah. Um, and also, if you are using the different – if you're using 007 versus um, – 001 you are going to have to change your mash temperature because you do want to hit that sort of 1018 target right um so if you're using 001 you need to mash a bit higher and i think that's probably why i should put it up to 69 just to just to get that um 001 finishing out at 1018 rather than chewing through a bit more um 007 isn't quite as uh as uh attenuative as 001 so got it and you that ferment- makes a little bit of difference and you ferment at what temp I ferment. I usually ferment, uh, pitch it about ten, uh, eighteen degrees, mm-hmm. and I just slowly ramp it up. Uh, I usually wait twenty four to forty eight hours before I just let it free rise up to twenty, <clears throat> and then from there just set it, leave it at twenty for a while until it's starting to slow down. Then I'll slowly ramp it to twenty two, and just let it finish out. It's a it's a very very easy beer to brew as long as you. As long, I mean, hitting that gravity is the most important part for this beer, for, for me. Um, it's still going to be a good beer if you don't hit it, but it's going to be less portery and more IPA-ish, like I said. Um, but, yeah, it's super easy to brew, no dry hopping or anything like that. You just chuck it in. The yeast smashes through it really fast, and then um, 
yeah, it's yeah, it's just easy and a, a nice beer to drink. Very cool. Well, um, again, that's Kainui Bruco's Rank and File American Porter. Thanks for sharing that, Gary. Again, we'll post it on the site. Uh, you may hear this episode before that uh, uh, recipe is up, but we'll get it up shortly, uh, if not simultaneously. Um, so a little more, uh, you know, just chit-chat, and then we'll, we'll break. Uh, what have you been drinking? Uh, you know, during the break, I popped a – I needed like a uh, sort of quote-unquote real beer because – I've got. Uh, I'm looking at what I've got in the fridge, and they're all like giant, either Belgian quads or Russian imperial stouts or sour beers. Um, and I had this one little uh, Boneface uh, India pale lager that was pretty freaking good, and it's holding up yeah. well. So Boneface, we you know we talked to them in the interview, and they sent uh, they sent us some beer. <laughs> It's been a while uh, ago. We, we recorded an interview with Matt, and he did his part great, but I screwed up some of the audio, and we're going to have to unfortunately redo it. But it was kind of brilliant because we've been I've been holding on to this beer for months now and every you know every now and then I'll I'll steal one grab it and trying to make it last so I don't have to you know I don't know get online and order a whole bunch more just for the actual show that we do with the final interview mm. but it's good stuff I mean it's and yeah, it's, it's, good, it's yeah. holding up it's in it's just in really good shape for, again you know I think I said it in the interview but for for hoppy beer he's doing something right it's 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 um it's really you know none of it's oxidized it's i'm not getting any paper or cardboard and it's really just he's doing a great job and um i expect we're gonna see bigger and bigger things because he's just doing everything right as a business you know um, let alone mm, the beer for sure uh, anyway but what yeah what are you drinking i'm drinking bone face too oh that's My weird <laughs> <laughs> So what do you know? Just yeah. again, I, I've just had it lit, sitting in there just for when John rings me up and says, oh, we're doing that show. Where's, have you got some bone to drink? And I had just sculled my way through all of it mm. within the first week um, after you said we weren't doing the show. So, But I did have one left. And it is the Dankness Porter, uh, Dankness Stout. Yeah, that's oh, the good. darkness, darkness. I call it darkness, but it's the darkness. I think I drank that on the last show, and I think you mispronounced it then as well. Yeah, oh yeah, I do that. <laughs> I think the, but, the, the darkness India stout. There you go. It's a hoppy stout, five point eight percent. It's it is quite similar to to um, the porter we just talked about. It's um, you know, it's a hoppy dark beer, but um, a bit more roasty, obviously, being a stout and. And I think I think there's a little more, um, you know, sort of stout-like body to this, and I think that there's a little more sort of juiciness to those hops, for lack of a better word. I think your porter, for me, it it mm. still it it comes off like a porter, and when it's fresh, it's got that citrus yeah. quality. And as mm. lo- when, if you give it three or four or five months, and those hops drop back, it's really a nice chocolatey porter accented yeah. by black patent malt like you expect yeah. from a porter but there's something there's something unique um and and it's simul it's it's both black ipa and american stout that that uh, yeah darkness. it's it's more it's more resinous the hops on this one i don't know exactly what he's using but the, to me it's more columbus simcoe type hops um yeah i'm not too sure again what he's using but hop aromas dropped back since last time i had it but I can still taste plenty of hops, and it's yeah, like you say, it's, it does sort of cross that border between um, IPA-ish, but it's got plenty of body and and roastiness, so it can be a stout as well. It's um, he does good hoppy beers, there's no doubt mm. about that. 
for sure. I am about to pop something that I can't even pronounce. Vander Vandergunst. It's a Flanders. Is it the red red IPA? Oh, what's it? It's a it's a Flanders Brown. It's a Eau de Brune um, oh. that I got from Belgium. It was part of that yes. shipment I got sent direct from from Belgium with some uh, West Vlederen <laughs> that I might have to. That I'm holding on to and might have to share on the show one of these days. But I, you know, Ode Brune's one of these styles. It's a slightly, you know, not slightly. It's a sour brown ale, but it's less sour than some of the other styles. Certainly less sour than a Lambic or even a Flanders Red. Um, and I've had a lot of American and New Zealand brewed versions of this, but I've never really had a proper Belgian classic example of the style. So when I was putting this or getting this package together to be sent over. And of course I had my West Vlederens and Cantillons and in, in the package. And that was really the whole impetus for, for uh, this special shipment that I had sent. I made sure to include a few of the BJCP listed examples or, you know, uh, com- uh, quintessential commercial examples of the style. And this is my last of the three. Let's see. Um, and this is actually, in my opinion, the best of them. It's a little more, it's it's like you took, so, okay, um, I'll backtrack there. What I have noticed of the style is, well, again, it's something I've read about for years, and it's always described as a more lightly soured, sour beer. You know, it's higher in alcohol percentage, more in the 6 to 8% range, with a slight tartness as opposed to this walloping, lambic style tartness and again the ones that i've had that were more american or new zealand made often they were kettle sours and they had a more pronounced sour quality and the examples i got they were much more like you made a sour beer and then you took an equal amount of more of say a british brown ale with a slightly higher alcohol percentage and then you kind of blended them together so you got this nice little tartness the ones I, the other two I had, and again I can't remember their names, um, but they were both, they, all three were listed as in the BJCP style guide as examples, uh, you know, quintessential commercial examples of the style. Um, they were a little, I didn't notice a lot of acetic. This one's got a touch of acetic, a little more like you mix the Duchess with, um, with maybe an English brown ale, if that makes sense. Um, this one's a little darker, a little stronger. Beautiful beer though, like just really, really good stuff. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna get into brewing these. Really cool style. If if you're listening to this and you've not tried, <clears throat> you know, a proper Ode Brune, it's really just a wonderful beer style that I'm kind of, again, educating myself on um, as I as I sip these because these are some of the first proper Belgian examples that I've had. Where would you put the acidity on that? Did you say? Um, on what level, like a scale of one to ten yeah. or a pH? I, I don't know. If well, I could... just compared to compared to say, a, well, put a lambic at well ten. Let's take put a let's take a Rodenbach Grand Cru, you know, as a as a Flanders yeah. Red, um, because it's more similar to that. It's not as dry as a lambic or something like that. Um, it's so okay. Let's let's go. A really tart lambic is a ten on that scale. Let's go. Mm. Flanders Red is. Uh, you know, maybe an eight and, and this is going to be like a six and a half, you know? So it's, it's still plenty mm. tart. This is a sour beer, but it's not, mm. but you can, yeah, you can drink I've, a lot more of this. I've had some old Bruins where they just didn't have enough 
acidity, you know, and it's mm-hmm. sort of like, am I drinking a brown owl or you know, what's going on here? But yeah, you, you, I still think you need enough to, to keep you interested or just to let you know what kind of, sort of style you're drinking, at least anyway. Yeah, well, I, I That would be good with a, a little bit of acidic there too. Yeah, I, I think it's delicious. Well, we've been going for a while, I think. I think it's time we wrap up, but before we do, just a, a couple of things I want to chat about. Uh, hopefully, I'll get them in before the rain just completely annihilates us with sound. It starts to sound like it's hailing in this. It's a, just a iron roof with you know rain falling directly on it just a few feet above this microphone. It's terrible. Anyway, but uh, a couple of things that I want to um, say. One... Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy the other episodes, you know, if you enjoy what we're doing, you want to hear more of this podcast, do us a solid head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, leave a rating and a review, particularly on iTunes. Those, um, those ratings, they really, they, they really count for a lot. They help with the old little iTunes, I don't know, algorithm or whatever you want to call it that they've got <laughs> the there. Thingamajig. The yeah. thingamajig. And, uh, you know, they, they tell other people that this is worth listening to. So if you if you could do that for us, I'd really appreciate it. It will pull more people into the show and, you know, ensure that we make more episodes. Um, another thing that I want to say is I, I want to thank um, Gladfield Mall for coming on board as our newest sponsor. Um, they're a great company, really dig what they're doing. They're, you know, they're New Zealand's own maltster and you know they're, they're growing barley here in New Zealand uh, for us as as professional brewers and home brewers and they're just doing really cool things and it's great to have them on board so I appreciate that and if you're not already using Gladfield then y- you really should be I know Gary you mentioned in your recipe you use Gladfield yes yep I do use Gladfield for more and more of my recipes these days they're um they are doing good things like you said it's they're an awesome company Great people. Um, they're on Country Calendar. Check that out too, though. Oh, was, I hadn't uh, heard that. A, have you not seen that? No, no. Check it out, bro. It's, uh, I wonder. It'll still be available somewhere. Um, it was a cool episode, just you know, giving a, just showing their story and stuff like that. It's um, they are they are doing a great job and they're they're pushing pushing the boat out and they've got some awesome malts. Um, I just recently tried their Monica Smoke Malt and that's, yeah, that's that's a cracker. Mm. Um, and there's just so many others. They're, they're, they've got a really cool range there now. So it is it is good to see. And it's as a beer brewer, it's um, exciting as well. Yeah, it is. Um, it is really special to be a fairly small country and have you know our own our own maltster, our own you know be able to get that stuff locally and and make truly local beer. So good on them. And again, we we appreciate the support. Um, and then finally, you know, our, our buddy Gary here on the line. Uh, check them out, Kainui Brew Co. What's the website? Because you changed it in some really weird way oh, recently. God. You took. Did I? You did. Uh, if you if you go to kainuibrewco.co.nz, that'll get you there. <laughs> but it's kind of it's kind. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks. It's kind of we it's kind People were having a hard time saying two co's. People can't say co and then co again. Yeah, no one was having, so it's, no one was having a hard time. Yeah, everyone, no, everyone, no, everyone no, not one person. If you had a hard time <laughs> figuring out that his website was kainuibrewco.co.nz, then write us and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> so it's kainuibrew.co.nz, but the both both URLs will get you there. And anyway, so go to kainuibrew.co.nz, but even better, come to Northland, Come to one of our concerts or come to our on license, which we'll soon have this summer, and come and drink some of our beer, which will be fresh and delicious. I promise. Or go to the Nosh there in Waipapa and pick up yes, a, pick up a bottle. Too. 
or the local market. I'll be there in a few weeks. Kitty Kitty Packhouse Market. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Gary, for being part of this. And, uh, you know, thanks to everyone at Beervana that took the time to, to chat with with us uh, and, uh, you know, to share their story. I really, really appreciate it. Had a had a really fun time. Um, all right, Gary. Take care, man. Cheers. Cheers. Good Beavis. Yeah. <laughs> Delete. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> All right.